This episode is brought to you by Juni Essentials. Damon, I can tell from you, we're not even in the same room, and I can tell you right now that you know that I need to brush my teeth. Yeah, well, it's disgusting. Uh, yeah, even I, through the, the pop filter on your microphone, I can tell <laughs> uh, that you have like spinach in your teeth. Halitosis is literally melting my pop filter. It's, <laughs> it's a problem. Juni Essentials uh, makes a bamboo toothbrush. So you know what's even better than oral hygiene? What? <laughs> the planet. Oh, okay. Because if you don't have the planet, you, don't, you won't have the teeth to worry about. The Those planet. other toothbrushes, they're made of plastic. But it's literally made of petroleum. Oh, now see, that, that doesn't sound right. Yeah. You need, you need a bamboo toothbrush. And get this. All listeners can get 20% off during the month of February with the code INNERCHILD. That's just one word, INNERCHILD. Go to juniessentials.com and enter the code at checkout. You can get a two-pack of the uh, bamboo toothbrush for you you. and uh, also you. Well, yeah, if you want to do, you know, it's always annoying to go from one side of your mouth, you know, one side of your molars and then to the other. Why not? Hear me out. You put them between your fingers like Wolverine and just get in there, you know? You're saving the planet, you're saving your teeth, you're saving your time. Juniessentials.com, enter the code INNERCHILD at checkout. Welcome to Your Inner Child is an Idiot. This is the podcast where we look back on things from our childhood and see if they're any good. Or young adulthood, in this case. My name's DJ. Someone was a kid. I'm Damon, by the way. But someone was a kid when this came out. And they were morons. And they... (laughs) That's the premise of the show. They were kids, and they were dumb. That's... I mean... Call it a day. Sometimes... This one's in the can. We're done. See ya. Don't even have to watch the movie. We're looking at Spider-Man 2. Yes. second in the... Toby Maguire Spiedermans. It was oft, oft uh, referred to as the best of the, the three, I believe. Yes. I believe it's The Empire Strikes Back, The Toy Story 2, The Godfather 2. Did you the find The Hobbit, to... The Desolation of Smog of the three. Wait, Toy Story 2 is not considered the best of that trilogy. Oh, yeah. Even though it's not a quadrilogy anymore, is it? Yeah. Oh, uh, I, I, I feel like people consider Toy Story 2 the best. Who's, 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 I, I like Toy Story 3 as much as the next man, but I still say yeah. Toy Story 2 is better. I always thought I was odd for liking it the best. Oh, no. Because you I are, thought most you people liked norm, You are the average man. You're Joe Blow. You are nothing. There you... is nothing unique about you. <laughs> uh, well, okay. That um, Sarah McLaughlin song comes on, you're not made of stone. I could. I might weep a little. I might openly weep about a doll I've never met. Is this your favorite of the trilogy? Uh, I have not watched these movies as often, but I feel like I've seen this one the most. But I think yeah. that's because DePaul University, go Tigers, Woo! had for a brief period had, I can't remember, my my freshman and sophomore year, we had like the, our own movie channel that we would run movies on. And then just watch my, them out on the quad. Probably. No, they just were on your TV. There was like a, a oh. channel that they ran. They're like, Spider-Man 2 is coming on at 7. It was like oh, three nice. movies just over and over and over again, yeah. like in sequence. And then at the end, I think we got one, we got an HBO or something. And for some reason, I've seen Spider-Man 2 several times. Oh, okay. I like it. I, I am not uh, passionate about it. Okay. But I like it good. I feel. I mean, this. you're right, it's generally accepted as the... 
the best one of this trilogy. I always liked the first one the most, but having just watched that, I wonder if that will hold up. I think I might end up agreeing with the general consensus because obviously nobody's going to pick Spider-Man 3. Well, I'm very curious about that myself, but uh, yeah. yeah, I imagine we'll, we'll like this one. Alfred Molina! Alfred Molina, he like has that one of those voices, those really... Uh, that Bob Hoskins syndrome when, when a British guy has to like take on an American voice and just he just dies to go full gravel. Uh, now, okay, so Doc Ock is the bad guy. What who else we get? We get we get more Harry and MJ stuff because we got Franco and Kirsten Dunst. Kirsten Dunst, yeah. I almost said Kristen Chenoweth for some reason. <laughs> Absolutely, I would walk out of this podcast so fast. Hi, I'm MJ. Get out of here. <laughs> you got she, it, Tiger. You watched the new witches, right? Where she was playing a yeah. child as a yeah. mouse. Yes. Ugh, discomforting. I think we do get a hint at uh, what's his name. What's the I can't remember who has what, but Batman has a crocodile man and Spider-Man has a crocodile lizard. man. Lizard. The lizard. Don't we meet the guy who will eventually become lizard, but his contract didn't, he, he sort of gets the uh, Billy D. Williams treatment okay. here where it never panned out. Because that, that definitely does happen in the, <laughs> James Garfield. I was going to say James Garfield. <laughs> but unfortunately, uh, all his doctors stuck their fingers in his bullet wounds and he died before he got the chance to play Spider-Man. <laughs> Replaced by Andrew Garfield. Or who he, he replaced for? James A. Garfield in, in mm-hmm. the line of succession. Was, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. After Butros Butros Golly shot him or whatever. Yeah, and then well, and then Andrew Garfield made the mistake of giving a really long uh inauguration speech mm-hmm. and he caught pneumonia and yes. died uh thirty days later. And that's why they didn't make a third uh Andrew Garfield Spider Man. You are a student of history. <laughs> I think we can all agree on that. That's and that's also why we call him his fraudulency. <laughs> That's just a fun because he joke. died. We then mock him for mm-hmm. for having died. I mean, Case politics is a, is a cruel mistress. I That's think we true. all know that. The okay. public is fickle. <laughs> so I don't remember much about this. This has the famous two famous action pieces or scenes that immediately play in my head, which is Peter and MJ are having like a a solemn talk in a caf- cafe, and Peter <sighs> senses a car being thrown. Through the through the window of the cafe and like does a quick Spider-Man move to protect her and the car comes crashing. It's been thrown by Doc Ock at him. And then the other scene is when there's a elevated subway car like uh, careening away and he Spider-Man stops it by like thwipping to a bunch of buildings and basically uh, crucifying himself holding the the runaway car. And then he has his mask off for some reason during that whole thing. And then probably because the, contract said he he needs to have more face time in this one. Yeah. Well, I mean. When he got a face like that, when he got that sweet that baby face, I remember the subway the car. Screen. I remember the subway car, but uh, I had forgotten about, um, but now remember the MJ thing. And I just feel so bad for that uh, young woman, Mary Jane Watson. I can't imagine what her therapy bills are. It's almost like she exists only to be uh, captured and threatened. And yeah. She's the princess peach of this, of this movie. Now, we lay the groundwork in this one with uh, for Harry to come back, right? Because, like, Harry becomes the new Green Goblin, but that doesn't actually... Does that actually happen in this movie, or is it like... No, that is... He is the later? second villain. In the second... Oh, yeah, in the third movie, because... no, there's three there's, villains. He's the third villain. Venom, Sandman, and... Oof. We Don't forget, we also have another great star in this. Uh, Joel McHale plays bank manager... In this. Really? Yeah. 
Wow. It's sometimes this happens when someone has somewhat gotten a job and then one of these movies that they filmed before they got the job comes out and you're like, why is that guy playing this know nothing role? And I think that was the thing with Joel McHale. He had sort of broken out with the soup and I don't know if community was on yet, but he plays mm. the bank manager during a bank robbery scene. And it's like, oh. it's very distracting. It's like, why are you, why is <laughs> why this happening? Here? I mean, now having watched the first one somewhat recently, I'm remembering now that Doc Ock seems to communicate with his uh, tentacles or what have you. They have some sort of sentience, and they are actually kind of driving him mad, I think is the thing. That was Lauren's big problem with this, because I was like, hey... We're gonna go record this thing. Do you want? Is there anything you remember about Spider Man Two? And she doesn't like that when villains aren't responsible for their villainy. Like there's oh, some external like force. Well, she doesn't find it as compelling, which I understand. It's not a villain with a like an ethos. It's just a villain that's been driven mad by tentacles. <laughs> Right. I guess it it has more of a Muppet feel than I would care for because they are definitely like just sitting there, like not even current Kermit the Frog, but like when you see those old clips of like the the fifties Kermit the Frog, which is just pretty much just like a green tube. Uh, it has that vibe to it. I kind of yeah. I mean, I think I think we sort of touched on this in the original Spider Man that I might agree with Lauren in that like Willem Dafoe is fine. But, uh, you know, the suit gives him, you know, has a side effect of, quote, insanity. And it's just as yeah, ludicrous. Right. Um, it sort of General doesn't insanity. make him a compelling character. It just sort of makes him, well, he's crazy. So, you know, people with mental health problems are very violent and will kill us all. So we have to just, you know, kill push them into a wall. Yeah. And kill them with their own skateboard or whatever. <laughs> Let's watch this thing. We're going to watch Spider-Man 2. This is the 2004 Spider-Man 2, just in case you're finding multiple Spider-Man 2 out there. You will. will. You'll find them. There are at least three Spider-Man 2s, but this is the only one that's called Spider-Man 2. So Wait, what was Spider-Man? Ama- uh, the Amazing Spider-Man 2. Uh, that's another thing. Like, you know, Starring I, I William McKinley. I appreciate the effort to get away from the numbers, but sometimes I just need the numbers. Just tell me what order I'm supposed to be fucking reading yeah, this. Yeah. The one with with Andrew, the first one with Andrew Garfield was just Spider-Man again? No, that was The Amazing Spider-Man. Well, what's the second one then? The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Oh, I see what you're saying. <laughs> Fuck that. <laughs> you would not like comic books then <laughs> no i never got into comic books because i was just always like wait which one of these am i supposed to be reading oh well this is the one where superman's a communist or whatever i'm like i'm out i can't i can't read six this one his dad's still alive this one his dad's dead this one he landed in russia this one you know he's like more of a detective i can't i can't well now you're getting into the uh concept of you know the trade paperback and the uh you know the standalone series versus the uh different sort of uh series like uh, you've got the sensational Spider-Man, the amazing Spider-Man. Sensational uh, Spider-Man. Is that one of them? I think it might now be Now I'm imagining him in like in a fossil hat. Or, it like might be spectacular. I think it's the spe- spectacular Spider-Man. There was Spider-Man, the amazing Spider-Man, spe- the amazing Spider-Man and then I think spectacular Spider-Man and I think there might be a fourth one. I mean, I'm sure there's many more than that, but when I was the when I was reading, it, there was there was a fourth one because his first appearance, Spider-Man, was actually in was it Amazing Fantasy or something like that? It was like a different title, right? Like Detective Comics with Batman, right? All right, watch Spider-Man Two along with us. We'll be back in just a sec.
Dr. Septus Septavius. Wait, how many arms do squids have? Squids have uh, eight arms and two whips, so mm. ten arms total. Dr. Deca Dictavius, what are the chances that you become Dr. Squid? Uh, well, you know, thank you, one, thank you for asking. Um, uh, well, I'm glad because uh, Otto, of course, was working on his forearm system, but of course I have uh, the forearm system then with two longer whips mm. that I can also yeah. use, mm-hmm. you know, for, for causing crime and mayhem. Um, so... You know, I'm really looking forward. I've got my application process in. Uh, I'm getting interviewed, uh, you know, by the Deadly Dozen. So that's <laughs> that's going to be great. Um, you know, the Anti Justice League—they're also looking at me. So I've got mm-hmm. some. I've got some. Uh, yeah, you got you a know, lot of irons in the fire. You got a lot of irons in the fire. Got some leverage. So you know, it's it's tough out there, though. <laughs> you know, well, with the pandemic, you don't want to be robbing banks. Mm-mm. You don't want to be, you know, uh, the safest jobs, though, are, are redirecting American satellites to uh, shoot lasers at Capitol. Right. Now, that's because I mean, that, then you're in space. You can feel a lot more comfortable. It's a growth industry. About what you're doing. And uh, that's supported on Patreon. So, so. Yeah. <laughs> that's an option. And while you're there, you can probably check out our Just page. Uh, you pop know, on over. Yourinnerchildisanidiot.com. See if you want to donate to support the uh, podcast. But please, mostly go to the the laser satellite one, uh, Yeah, you know, to destroy governments. Oh, that's not as fun anymore. No, it's not. Uh, maybe I need to look into a new career. Maybe <laughs> do some, you know, maybe get an associate's degree. Maybe VCR repair. Are they still doing that? We are back. We watched Spider-Man 2. The Rise of the Men. Two Spider, Two Furious. Can I recap this movie? I think it's my turn. Uh, I always prefer you to recap it, so yeah. please. And by my turn, I mean I do every tenth one. <laughs> Our pal Peter Parker. It's, uh, it's two years later. He's uh, having a rough go of it, trying to make ends meet as uh, both a photographer at the Daily Bugle, but also uh, running pizzas. Not so well. He's also getting stressed out about it. He's starting to lose his, his spider powers. Mary Jane is is no longer dating his buddy Harry, but is John Jameson, I believe. Colonel Colonel J. J. Jonah Jameson's <laughs> oh, yeah. son. Editor. Editor yeah. Jameson. He uh finally gets the opportunity to interview the the brilliant Dr. Otto Octavius, who uh in a really unpredictable science experiment gone wrong, has his four uh, mechanical arms fused to him, becomes the evil Dr. Octopus. They battle. Spider-Man prevails. They battle. They battle. That's pretty much act two and three. Spider-Man prevails. Yada, yada, yada. Credits. He, he can jizz from the wrist again. Ah, uh, that is wonderful news. Um, mm-hmm. DJ, I don't want to bring, you know, we try and keep this podcast live, but do you know how many scientists are killed in scientific experiment demonstrations a year in this country? Six on average. Six on average. And how many of those involve tritium? (laughs) Uh, Most, 51% at least. Okay. Uh, But most of them die only after committing their lives to supervillainy. That's the Mm -hmm. real tragedy. We got all your all your friends are back in this movie. We got Kirsten Dunst. We got Tobey Maguire. We got even sulkier James Franco. We got Asif Manvi. Yep, we've got one of the the lesser Deschanel is here. 
Who's right, that? Right, right. Uh, she was the secretary who wasn't going to pay for those pizzas. Oh. Uh, you got Bill Nunn doing Two the right weeks. thing, as usual. Um, you got Elizabeth Banks. You got your uh, J.K. Simmonses. Bruce, Bruce Campbell's back. Brew, brew, brew. Got another odd job. He was a wrestling announcer last time. He's a theater usher this time. A very quiet theater usher. He used a lot of uh, exaggerated hand motions. Uh, you got but, Hal uh, Sparks. Could, you know, quick quick cameo from Hal Sparks. Joel McHale, as, as mentioned in the be- beginning of the episode. Just star-studded. And it's Alfred Molina. Let's not, let's not gloss over Alfred Molina. You got the weird, you got the weird Russian, Russian girl, the landlord's daughter. You, yeah, the landlord, uh, he plays um, Russian number one more often than you care to think about. Mm-hmm. He's just always a Russian. He's in Air Force One as the Russian. That's right. I believe he was in uh, Austin Powers as the head, as the general from Russia. So he's got that Iron Curtain look to him. Yeah. This fucking Russian guy is a landlord, and he wants Peter to pay him every month for uh, living in his building. Criminal. Criminal. Absolutely Criminal. Everybody knows, I mean, like, Peter Parker, just such a sad sack at the beginning of this movie. He also violates rule number one of being a bachelor, which is you can't put the Spider-Man uniform in with the whites. That's just 101 laundry. You I'm surprised can't. it's so runny at this point. It's still, yeah. it's still not, it, uh, you know. He might have made a new one, you know. I guess that's true. It did get pretty torn up. Uh, that's true. He probably had to make a new one in act three last time. And once again, in this time gets torn up in act three, seems like it should be made out of a star- stronger material, but Hey, I'm not a superhero. It's got a stretch. That's probably more important. Most of the time, most of the time you're, you're swinging around the city. You don't want that to ride up. He does that. That is a, a, a fun moment. He, he loses his powers or, you know, temporarily. And so he has to take the elevator and that's where we get the house parks cameo. And he's like, Sweet Spider-Man costume. And he's like, yeah, it itches. Rides up in the crotch a little, which is like, you know, it probably You'd, you'd expect that from that spandex outfit. That was mm-hmm. a pretty funny scene. I enjoyed that. There was a lot of awkward pausing. I love an awkward pause. I live in an awkward pause. Apparently I read that that might be a Queer as Folk reference. I don't know if you oh. read that. Um, How Sparks was in Queer as Folk, and I, I never got into Queer as Folk, but apparently his character was into comic book characters and oh, uh, okay. wanted to meet one. That seems like a bit of a stretch, though, don't you think, audience that's in anyone? No? I don't know. I mean, I haven't seen it either, so I can't speak to that. But, uh, you know, House Sparks was kind of a thing. I mean, he wasn't just in that, but he was like... He was Talk Soup. We got two soup soup hosts in this movie. I love the 90s or 80s. Yeah, he popped up in a lot of loving decades type deals. Okay, let's get get into it since it's such a, like, the the main internal conflict here is Spider-Man is so stressed out that he can't perform. What do you think about this just as a... It happens, it happens to everyone. Uh, you know, it's, it's important not to internalize it. Um, I know the whole Spider-Man thing is like already a, an analog a jizz for, fest. For, for puberty, but like this is like so blatant. Uh, is it more blatant or is it just me? Is it just me? But is this an analog for puberty or an analog for no, getting it, old, like becoming a 60-year-old yeah, man? It's, it's an analog for, for, yeah, for like getting stressed out and therefore you can't perform. I don't know. I, I, found, I found a lot more distracting than the sort of puberty analog of the, of the sort of original getting his powers, coming in to be a man. Not to call anything from the first Spider-Man subtle, but it was a little <laughs> bit more subtle than 
Oh, geez. Your wrist jizz is running out. I feel like it reminded me of Superman 2 where he goes into his little, you know, crystal chamber and all the characters are like, you're going to lose your powers forever. And he's like, I want to do it because I love Lois Lane so much. And they're right. like, okay, well, you lost your powers forever. And he's like, oh, wait, I forgot that there's evil villains. They're like, okay, get in the thing. Here's your powers back. Yeah. Um, unexplained forever. Um, and this felt like that same thing. Uh, I feel like a little bit more subtly than Superman 2. I didn't get the, I didn't put the sex thing together because it doesn't, correlate to to young adulthood well but he finally you know you're still chasing all over the place at that point he finally pulls it together because his love <clears throat> for mary jane is so strong was the clearing your throat for the the jizz metaphor or was it yeah. for the weed metaphor um the the jizz one mm, yes <laughs> The first third of this movie stressed me out a lot because it was all about finances, <laughs> losing jobs, losing friends, not being able to jizz out of your wrist. <laughs> all things we can all relate to. It just keeps like, it keeps like compiling it on. It almost, it culminates like in the midway point where he's at the, this big gala that J. Jonah Jameson is throwing or not throwing, but wants him to cover as a photojournalist. Harry Osborne yells at him, slaps him around. Literally Mary Jane tells him off. And then he finds out that Mary Jane is engaged to J. Jonah Jameson's uh, son. Played by Jeff Gordon. And (laughs) I did have a Jeff Gordon vibe (laughs) in that it was like, I guess you're attractive. You're symmetrical, but otherwise nothing's working for me. (laughs) I felt like uh, really over the top and it was really stressing me out. And then the movie's like, don't worry, we're going to resolve all this. And then it doesn't. What, what I mean, it part? does. It resolves the Mary Jane issue, sort yeah. of, but it never really explains why he lost his powers. The solution yeah. to gaining his powers back doesn't seem like a real stable solution because right. his love it's for like, Mary Jane. Try harder. It's like, yeah, try harder, but also like if you can make sure that Mary Jane gets like kidnapped every 10 days just yeah. to solidify your love for her, then your powers will just always remain strong. It just felt like... I thought it was inherent drama that he was losing his powers, but you can't just gloss over him getting them back again. Yeah. Yeah. It was just like Superman two does. It just felt like sort of like, eh, you get it. He's back. Spider-Man. Don't worry about it. He's back. Yeah. It just felt like a really thin reason. Like, it's not like it doesn't even really state it as a reason. It's just sort of like, Oh, she got kidnapped. I have no problem shooting webs out of my wrist again. Yeah. There is a lot of flab in this movie in that he also has this neighbor girl that he has like a kind of sweet moment with. And she's obviously like infatuated with him. She comes over at one point to like bring him chocolate cake and they have like a cute moment. And then she like disappears for the rest of the movie. And I'm like, what are we doing here? We, I, I, I don't have, I'm not made of time. Like I bought a ticket. Give me the the Spider-Man and the other spider-like man fighting and then the girl with the hair. Do you know what the narrative purpose of that was? Like I can't I can't even like think of anything other than just like showing him that not everybody in the world is shitty. I don't know what that was. I, it, I, I couldn't, I was like, what? Is, I mean, I remembered it, but I was like, yeah, she seems sweet, but what is this? What there is There's a weird undercurrent in this movie. I feel like more than even this, the first movie of like, women wanna fuck Spider-Man. I found it. Right. It never crossed over into being full ick, but there was like, 
It was just like wincy for me. There's a few shots where he's like swinging away and like these two oh, girls yeah. in bare midriff take like me. come up and they, they have this sort of, yeah, this take me face. And uh, the neighbor girl is is obviously pining for him. I think Elizabeth Banks' character also kind of has a thing for him. It was just a little bit, I mean, I know that superheroes are a fantasy for a lot of people and they are definitely aimed at teenage boys. But I was just like, okay, movie, I get it. Stop it. It's yeah. just kind of icky. I guess maybe that, yeah, maybe that was it. Just to But that sh- one was like, I mean, it was taking up time of the movie, like in act two, like, hey, right. hop two, we don't have time for this flab. Go. That's stuff to do. Dr. Octopus is out there. Doing stuff. Uh, He's trying to build a star. <laughs> in the middle of New York City. And for some reason, it keeps not working out. The best place for planetary stars the Port Authority. Well, yeah, they've got all that space. You know, the they've the got those, those piers just falling into the sea. <laughs> also, I have a question. Maybe you can help me out. Because Batman has the bat so symbol, which mm-hmm. puts the agency on the police to say, we cannot handle this. Batman, could you please yeah. come here for a minute? Yeah. Spider-Man seems to be just like, no matter what I'm doing at any moment, no matter what promises I kept or, you know, or what promises I need to keep, if I see a police car go by me in New York City, one of the most <laughs> populated places on Earth, I will immediately change into my spider-man clothes i have a sub question about that where does he keep his normal clothes because he kept in that first scene initial scene where he's spider-man he kept switching back and forth into uh his spider-man clothes and his normal man clothes anyway that's neither here nor there it just felt annoying that every time the police drove by he's like gotta gotta go duty calls i'm like you don't know what they're responding to yeah how many how many false alarms do you think spider-man gets where he's just like it was a domestic disturbance but it was just the landlord (laughs) and the and the and the delivery guy they were arguing over a parking space spider-man we really don't need you uh yeah sounds like the cat tripped the alarm turns out it was nothing sorry spider-man no thanks for coming though i guess i have some and they're I'll, i'll i'll grant you they are iffy responses, but I do have some answers for you. Spider-Man has something very important that is not really emphasized in these movies. It is a little bit more in the first one. He has spider sense. So ostensibly, when he hears the police, it's not really the police sirens that he's reacting to so much as he senses something dangerous is going on. Now, how far does that extend? Because sometimes he's seeing the police cars and then he's swinging blocks away. away. I, I don't know how exactly it works because it, it makes more sense as like a, there's immediate danger, Spider-Man, and your, your spider sense is tingling. But you could say that he's got some perception of like how serious it is that when the police are racing, he can he can tell that they're racing towards the scene with sirens blazing. It's not like a cat in a tree situation, right? That is, I think, a lot of hand waving, but whatever. Also, clothing. He <laughs> has like little little web packs all around the city where he like stores clothes and spare spider suits. Apparently, so he just like up on the ninetieth floor of some. Okay, all right. You know what? Fine. Yeah. I'm not, yeah, I'm not, I mean, it's a silly uh, answer, but it's an answer. Kid who can't play, pay the rent. He's got clothes all over the city. Yeah, I remember I was, uh, I was in my 30s before I was like, 
I'm just going to buy a second set of toiletries so that I've always got a travel set ready to go. And that's like $10 <laughs> worth of stuff. <laughs> but this like, teenager imagine... is buying duplicate suits all over the <laughs> That he handcrafted. Like these. Oh, I don't mean where's his spider suit. I mean where's his suit. Yeah. He's got both. All right. Stored yeah. about. Yeah. All right. Can we talk about. MJ for a bit, please. Doc Ock gets all the headlines, but I feel like the real thrust of this movie is him and MJ because Doc Ock Watson. like goes missing for most of Act Two. It feels like, yeah. Like where's uh, Doctopus Octopus? He's a uh, he's building a star, man. He's got a he's got stuff to do. Also, don't smoke while you're working. You're gonna get dust everywhere. I liked her a lot better in this movie than I did in the first movie. Okay. I got a sneaking suspicion. This is all hearsay. This isn't here, even hearsay. It's just say. <laughs> Your Honor, say. <laughs> Objection, say. No, I know. I see him saying it. Yeah. You don't have to announce that. He's speaking. That's just speaking. I got the feeling that Kirsten Dunst was like, uh, I'm going to need her to be better served going forward. Because mm. um, in the first one, I feel like she's a rag doll tossed between three different men. But in this one, I feel like she a lot of times said the things that I was wanted to yell at the screen when people were acting ridiculous. When uh, Peter just starts quoting poetry at her, she's like, what does that even mean? <laughs> and I'm like, thank <laughs> yeah. you. Uh, and then at a later point, she's like, you can't just see my play once and then expect me to marry you. And I'm like, accurate. That is yeah. also true. Um, she seemed particularly over it in a very good way. I, I liked her. She still gets a little bit of the damsel in distress, which is, I don't know. Like, I feel like there are better ways to get Spider-Man to meet you on top of a clock tower than just kidnapping girl who was near the person I was going to talk to. <laughs> I don't know. These These type of movies can kind of really just be like stupid towards women and i yes. like that she kept uh, deliberately like puncturing holes in that that attitude these types of movies sort of have yeah. it was exhausting like peter parker does sort of get on my nerves i'm nerves in the middle of it and i think the movie wants me to be annoyed with him yes. um with his just i'm going to uh refuse to be with you i'm going to keep you at arm's length while you pine for me and then the minute you show any interest in another man i am going to start quoting you know pablo nareda at you until right, you right. want to be with me again please uh, please um which is uh sort of exhausting i agree that you you're not supposed to root for or not supposed to agree with his behavior but also i also kind of you know, he's just a kid too. And he's got, he doesn't understand, like, this is all about uh, his internal conflict of whether he has to be Spider-Man. And now that he's, his powers are failing him, can he even be Spider-Man? And, you know, does he deserve to be with MJ? Does she even want to be with him? Like it is. And he is just fallen flat on his face, both literally and figuratively. Like he's a mess in this movie. Like, yeah. And I think that's, that's actually one of the most compelling things about this movie is that like, Peter Parker just, like, does not have his shit together at all. It's annoying, but it also, I, I get what they're going for, and I find it kind of charming. Because it's like, <laughs> he's quoting poetry because Dr. It was, Oc it was uh, the villain yeah. of the movie. <laughs> yeah, before and, and Like before a true villain told him to quote poetry at people, and that is the worst thing that Doc Ock has ever done. Please <laughs> do not ever do that anyone ever. And that was before he was a super villain. It was just a regular villain at that point. That was the first sign that you knew something was amiss. <laughs> yeah. Don't quote poetry at people unprompted. Thank yeah. you. And then so he just learned some poetry and then starts speaking at her. And she's like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> and I felt that really uh, relatable. 
Yeah, I really like that. What is that supposed to mean? That yeah. uh, you can put that on my fucking tombstone. <laughs> I don't know if Kirsten Dunst had a like make sure you zoom in real close to my face this movie. <laughs> But there was a lot of Dunst face. And I remember uh, watching it as a young adult being like, she's got a big face. And that is mean. <laughs> and she does not. She has a Well, she literally would have. You would have been seeing it on a movie theater yeah, screen. She has a perfectly fine face. But they do a lot of tight zooms on Kirsten Dunst's face in this movie. I didn't. You know what? I feel like that's the case as well. Because I did notice it felt like we were close to Peter Parker's face. Yeah. Um, a lot in this one. Uh, I do have that say, concentrated face. That what you say? The uh, the uh, <laughs> Tobey Maguire concentrating face, which I'm doing right now. Uh, his running face and his uh, straining face. I mean, I can't fault him that they seem like realistic faces. They are ugly faces. I do want to say, though, uh, something happened between Spider-Man 1 and Spider-Man 2 where I'm like, okay, Toby, I see it now. I don't know. Like, in the first one, he really? was just a little kind of, like, pumpkin-headed. But this one, I was like, okay. Really? Right. I think really? they fixed his hair. I think that's all it was. It was like they fixed his hair a little bit. I'm like, Tobey Maguire. Tobey Maguire, the actor in this movie. Tobey Maguire, the symmetrical actor who has a shirtless scene in this movie. Yes, the very same, I say to you. The one thing I will criticize about him and MJ is that the only thing that did annoy me about them is that it felt like they're back and forth of like, she's into him, he's into her. Mm she's into him again all felt like completely arbitrary and was like well this is act three you're into him it's like they were playing catch and it's like kirsten your turn you're in love with him and he doesn't want anything to do with you because all of a sudden there it just felt like completely arbitrary that she gave him that speech of like you can't come to my play once and then ask you know ask to stop my marriage and then she's like with her fiance and she's like kiss me like spider-man did and then Mm. she's like then she goes to the coffee with uh Peter Parker, who, by the way, she believes is a completely separate person from Spider-Man. She's like, kiss me. And I'm like, lady, I don't think you're ready for a monogamous relationship yet. (laughs) (laughs) But it just felt completely, uh, it didn't make any sense in the story. It was just like, the story needs you to do this now, so you guys do it up. Toby, your go. You're in love with her. She hates you. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to defend it too hard because I agree, but also, like, there is the moment of where you, someone tells you they like you and you're like no and then you later you're like what what was i thinking there's she also leaves jeff gordon at the altar and has her bridesmaid run a note out to him which i know it's it's a movie but it's just like uh come on come on i did like that they were looking for her but shouldn't they also be concerned that the maid of honor is also not at the ceremony yet yeah that's true i mean i think that wouldn't be the no i know but i mean it would be like well one person two people have already not come down the aisle what's going on because maid of honor missing also (laughs) also my marriage is falling apart (laughs) that is true and she she runs out just destroys jeff gordon's heart apparently he becomes a supervillain as well oh is that right I feel uh, that's like what I, I read that. when I was looking at the trivia. I knew um, his professor became Lizardman, um, right. but I didn't Dr. know Connors. that he becomes Wolfman. J. Oh. Jonah Jameson's son becomes uh, some sort of uh, lichen-based villain. A lot of James Franco in this movie. Is there? I think more than enough. I gotta tell you, I love that we got the dead behind the eyes look we all know and love from James Franco. Last time he was a little too bright, a little too involved in you know, reading his script and memorizing it. Now we have the sort of wooden plank that James Franco has become. Anytime James Franco has to behave like a normal human being, it's really off-putting to me. 
when he's like like a little bit goofy or or playing an off the wall character, I'm like, sure, let's do this. That's fine. But when he's like, even in like Planet of the Apes, when he's like, I just love my chimp. You know, it's like uh, something's <laughs> something's not right here. Something is. You mean the man who is keeping a chimp in his house? Well. Fair enough. But I feel like the, there's like, it's like watching the special effects where they can't quite get the mouth right. Well, that's kind of James Franco's thing, too. I'm glad in this one he's mostly drunk and angry because anytime that James Franco smiles, it's just, oh, uh, it's heart stopping. <laughs> we love him. <laughs> he seems great. Yeah, I mean, James Franco. I think we can both agree as an everyman. Um, he's completely <laughs> relatable as a human being. Yes, yeah. absolutely gorgeous. A young man who's been a star since his teenage years mm-hmm. has sort of desest- descended into narcissism and apparently hitting on teenage girls on Instagram. Cool, he's cool, 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 he's cool. just relatable. He just seems like, you know, that's the type of person you meet walking down the street. Of course you do two seasons on General Hospital. Why wouldn't you? While you're going to NYU... Uh, to take classes and making a bunch of art films that no one wants to see. It's great. I do have a question. If you can, I don't know if this is in the comics or not, but Harry Osborne is a sophomore in college and also runs a Fortune 500 military-grade weapons company. Is that correct? I assume when his father died, he went into the company business. Like the pharaohs of old. Didn't go to school. But wouldn't the board of directors be like, I don't want this 22-year-old to be running the company? They they make some reference to that, that he's like director of operations or something. He's not like CEO. Uh, okay. Or he's director of development or something like that. So it does sound like that, like the board of directors is still in charge and he's... So it's not nepotism. It's based on his talents. Absolutely. Yeah, he <laughs> earned that, to be sure. He's a job creator. Okay. He he, he walks in like a, a jackass into oh, yeah. Doc... I mean, purposely like a jackass into Doc Ock's uh, dramatic presentation. But I was just like, who is this child? Obviously, like, seemingly running a company. I also appreciated that apparently the Osborne house has the shine. Is that correct? <laughs> like, guess. mental health issues just don't just, like show up because of real estate. I don't know. Maybe he actually did know about the secret door behind the mirror. And so it was like his own. I don't know. I didn't understand that either. Because Harry at the end discovers all the Green Goblin stuff. And he's going to be the new Green Goblin. I mean, sure. Duh. Is but that something that happens in the book? That Does Harry become the Green Goblin in the books? Yeah, I think so. I think okay. That I don't remember. It's, there's that Seinfeld, New York City syndrome again, where just everyone who, who's anyone is in anyone who's ever passed Peter Parker in any capacity becomes a supervillain yeah. or a super friend. Can we talk about the the horror movie Doc Ock comes alive scene? So absolutely, Doctor. So Doctor Octavius does this big experiment and it goes haywire. His arms are fused to him. The inhibitor chip is destroyed, thus making the arms a part of him, but also somewhat in control of him. He's, you know, knocked out during this whole proceedings, and then they go to cut, you know, the doctors go to cut his arms off, and it's a very cheesy horror movie tribute. Like, it's very clearly Sam Raimi being like, I love horror movies, let's do it this way. It wasn't, like, accidental. They get, the, you know, the, the doctor goes to, like, buzzsaw his arm off in the arm, like, comes from behind, and it takes it, but it's all very, like, zoomed-in close-up shots, and... Guttural screams from the doctors, and like they really lean into that. And then they they do it basically anytime Doc Doc Ock is around. 
it becomes this like bad horror movie. I loved it. I loved the uh, surgery scene. I thought it was absolutely ridiculous um, and was totally there for it. I loved it. Yeah. I thought it was really schlocky. I mean, I mean, that's where Sam Raimi sort of started like in, in, in uh, horror. And I, I thought it was really effective and fun and, and kind of silly. I loved it. Did you like it or no? I liked the, like, if you described that to me, I would be like, yeah, but in the, in the context, it felt like, like movie, you didn't earn this. Like, this is not the way you've been the whole time. And all of a sudden you're getting kind of like wacky and silly. Mm -hmm. And I, and I, it felt, it like pulled me out of it, even though admittedly we're talking about a a Spider-Man movie. Like, it's not like (laughs) I was like, I need a versimilitude or something, but it was just like, what is, what is happening now? All of a sudden we're doing this. And then they kind of stuck with it, but it was really just that one scene that they really leaned into it. But anytime, like when Doc Ock attacks them in the cafe and then starts going, you get to like zoom in to people's faces as they scream. I mean, I think that's really back to the fucking, what we talked about, (laughs) what we talked about in the first one where it has that sort of comic book vibe where there's a lot of like really stage shots and really like storyboarded stuff where it feels, it has that comic book feel where they're just like hyper dramatic shots for, for absolutely no reason. I don't know. I mean, I am, I'm torn about Doc Ock. I like it. I think I like Doc Ock and I do not like Otto Octavius. Right. That moment was a real, I really like that moment because you get the idea that the, the arms are in control because he's completely unconscious while that whole thing is happening. So they're defending him against or defending themselves against being removed from his body. Um, he does get a little bit of uh, Darth Vader in in no. in Return or Revenge of the Sith. Uh, the no, and I do like the arms because they're also drama queens, <laughs> and they will yeah, do the like, same thing as him, or they'll just like wave around in a weird way. I like them. There's there's a scene where he, I think, when he decides to rob the bank, he says something. He doesn't say this, but he essentially says the awesome power of this fully operational space system or whatever he would say at that moment that Doc Ock would say and his arms like lift him up like legs and then the other two are just like up in the air like fists it's deranged can you answer a question I'm not a scientist you're not a scientist can you tell me what a good presentation would have looked like I know he goes awry and you know the sun starts flaring out in the middle of this you know loft loft space that he's rented out Um, but I don't know what he was going to demonstrate and why uh, he needed goggles and um, mechanical arms but everyone else just needed to stand about 10 feet away in their hoodies and lasers I was like what is what is this supposed to do can you explain that well, the weird thing is, like, uh, what I didn't remember is that the arms are not the demonstration. The fact that he has <laughs> no. a, the arms that, like, fuse to his spine, but don't worry, they have an inhibitor chip, is just like an afterthought. And that's how he contains the solar prominences of this little neutron star that he's built. Basically, it's fusion. It's like cold fusion or something. Like, he's, he's basically got an infinitely renewable energy source, is, but he's got to use the arms to, like, just... Push in the solar prominences. <laughs> and would someone have to do that like all the time? Would you need <laughs> you these, just have these to stay arms? here? I think the idea was that he does that for a while and then it stabilizes and then we're good. And it's self-sustaining. And it's self-sustaining. And then he's done. And he can take the arms out from his spine. Had he done it ever it. before? It seems like this was the first try. <laughs> 
I mean, I don't know if we're just more savvy about science. And I know we got to have this little beat and then we can get onto the fun stuff of him robbing banks and kidnapping old ladies and stuff. But it's just, I was just like, what is this? <laughs> Why wouldn't, I mean, it seems like a, just an easier leap for the arms to be the demonstration. Like, yeah, make I, that the thing. But instead, I guess they wanted to make him into a respectable scientist right. that's trying to do good. And arms are like, yeah, we could all use a few more arms, but uh, what if he was making a renewable yeah. uh, resource? Or maybe it was just that it was it would be too similar to the Green Goblin thing that they were testing the thing that would make him just like really repeating a pattern here. I was like, yeah, <laughs> well, welcome, welcome to comic books. <laughs> Sorry well, about honestly, that. Incredible. I, th- I thought Hulk. it was a little bit. I thought it was a little bit too close. I think that's why I didn't really like the the Otto Octavius. I like Doc Ock, but I didn't like Otto Octavius because he did seem to be like a by the numbers Green Goblin again. I'm a scientist. I'm trying to do. Well, I don't know if Green Goblin was ever trying to do good, but oops, I did the experiment on myself again, and there's a side effect of insanity, whoopsie doodle, and uh, I've also got a little bit of the duality thing, the Smeagol Gollum, Uh, my arms seem to be talking to me, or my Green green Goblin mansion is shining at me, Uh, whatever the hell, they both have the same sort of pathologies. And that's why I don't think I was ever really into him, but Doc Ock, I really do like. Well, that was like once he went kooky bananas, I was I was there for it. That was Lauren's argument too. Is she she doesn't like the villain that he doesn't have an ethos. He has something kind of an external force controlling him, making him a villain. Like the oh, it's the arms. Now, of course, like in this one, he I don't know. It doesn't seem like he's completely controlled by the arms, but they are definitely an an. Uh, exuding some of their will and i don't know why they are specifically evil but <laughs> what's their motivation <laughs> right. exactly well i think their their motivation is self-preservation i guess right. and maybe that's why they push him to do the experiment again because that's their reason for existing this right. is all just me pulling it literally from my ass <laughs> but i see that well done. <laughs> and I wish you hadn't. You could have just spoken like a normal person. <laughs> yeah, I. but I, one of the things I do like about him, once he actually makes the turn into lunacy, um, I believe is the medical term, is he essentially just becomes like a kaiju for the rest of the movie. He's just like this tiny little guy with crazy arms, and he's just like climbing up buildings. I really love that scene where um, Sad Sack James Franco who's now also sad sack drunk James Franco, Mm -hmm. is just standing on his balcony. Remember, the Osborne mansion is on top of uh, a a skyscraper. And so he's just out on his balcony, and he just hears like the... In the distance, like slowly creeping up, and like Doc Ock just appears, like climbs over the balcony. Um, And it's kind of awesome, and I like it. <laughs> Whereas, like, Green Goblin just sort of flew around on his broomstick or whatever. I really like this, like, visceral aspect of, like, the grabbing and, like, the climbing over. And he's he's so small when the arms are, like, fully extended that yeah. he almost, like, looks like a butterfly, like, just this tiny yeah. little thing in between these arms. It's a really great. I really like that. I just want to talk about Tobey Maguire's physical comedy in this movie. You're talking about the Butch Cassidy uh, raindrops keep falling on my head? Yeah, he gets that, and he gets a lot of, like, just a lot of goofy things, like, from moment one. And, of course, like, anytime his web runs out and he, like, whoa, like, falls down, he gets a lot of, like, I thought it was 
pretty funny, but I was also like, what is happening? What, yeah, he, he has a few moments where he like falls down. And I'm like, I was confused. Tyler actually turned to me. He's like, he still has like bones though, right? Because <laughs> he's like falling like six stories and like bouncing between like two buildings into an alleyway, lands on a fucking car. And he's like, my yeah. back. And I'm like, your body is destroyed. And that is your ghost who's going to carry the rest of the movie. <laughs> It's very, it's very weird. Yeah, there is a little bit more, I don't know, I, it, it, there is a little bit more comedy in this one. That Hal Sparks scene we talked about, yeah. um, him landing, I, I, I should say, like, when he jumps off that building, he says, I'm back, I'm back, and then he falls and he says, my back, my back, which is like a real dad joke, but I liked it. Oh, the raindrops keep falling on my, that was really good. I mean, I like that whole, like, montage of yeah. him, like, seeing the police go by, and you think for a minute he's gonna like chase after them, but then he just eats his hot dog and keeps walking. It was very charming. Him falling, it felt like the people in the background were not background actors. They were just New Yorkers because they all were staring like, what the yeah. fuck is this Yeah, over here? I really, I did like that though. We talked about like the two iconic storyboard scenes of like the, the, the car coming through the cafe window and then of course stopping the train. Did you remember? Because you remember, I brought that up in the beginning and, and you didn't remember that. So I was wondering if you... Well, I remembered the sub the subway one, but I yeah, I'd kind of forgotten the um the coffee shop one until you you brought it up. They're both kind of like the the same action sequence. The one triggers the other. Yeah. Uh, I did like the coffee shop thing because it's again back to that kaiju thing where he's just like throwing cars around willy-nilly. Yeah. Which I always appreciate. Too many cars. Get walking, America. That's also like Doc the Doc was trying to tell you. Well, he throw there, a car comes through the cafe window, and then like a minute later, Doc Ock comes around the block, <laughs> yeah, stomping through, and it's like, "Whoa, did you throw that from over there? <laughs> what, were you on Fifth Street? You must have been down by Delancey. How did you get it over here?" That <laughs> was weird because I expected like to see him in the distance, and you don't, and then yeah. suddenly he shows up. He's like, "Sorry, guys." These arms don't move as fast as you'd think. I was, I was supposed to be on my mark, but whatever. It's fine. Just roll with it. I like the subway car scene. The subway car scene is... I mean, the fight between them is is kind of cool, but I like the subway. Like, he stops the, the L train from running, and he's he had to pull off his mask because it got burned and he couldn't see yeah. it. I don't know what the excuse was. Um, he took off his mask because Tobey Maguire probably had it in his contract that he wanted more FaceTime in the thing. I actually was surprised that I was somewhat moved by it because he does save the train, but he's so exhausted that the, the, the passengers like pull him into the car and lay him down and, and yeah. one guy like comments like, he's just a kid. He's no older than my son. No older than my son, who's the Over so a kid over he is my son is 24 he seems to be about 22 or 23 <laughs> 23 years old probably like a sophomore in college or maybe he's going to a trade school i don't seems know like maybe he's had some hard times lately and, and and maybe maybe he's in college even though he's 23 so <laughs> a lot of people go longer than 22 you know ain't nothing Sometimes wrong with taking that. night classes I don't you know might his go situation. Back. I might go back. I don't know. I'm 48. <laughs> I might go back. I don't know. But I actually I'm not sure a, if I'll get a, the time off from my job at the Port Authority. <laughs> <laughs> over there. Not over here, of course. I'm on my way to my job. <laughs> it's so over it's there. over there. 
I really liked, I've, I've found it very oddly sweet. It was a lot more winning than that weird attacked on scene where the yes. New Yorkers just start throwing yeah. shit at the Green Goblin <laughs> off of a bridge. Um, this one seemed, it reminded me that like sometimes we both live in the South and sometimes like Southerners look on like New Englanders and New Yorkers specifically as not nice. But yeah. I, I recently, like someone explained, New Yorkers are nice, but not polite. And right, right. New Yorker or Southerners are very polite, but they are not nice. Right. Um, and I, I am reminded of that. And it was just a really uh, sweet scene. I really like that. And they were, and these like two boys come up and they're like, "Hey, Spider Man, we found your mask. Your secret safe with us." Um, also, we don't know who you are anyway, because this is a very <laughs> large city. There's approximately nine million people who live in the metropolitan area. Sorry, I don't know why. And you might be from one of the outer boroughs. I don't know. You might come over on a ferry. Are you over from Yonkers? You know, uh, Frank Sinatra's from Hoboken. He's very uh, associated with New York, but he's actually from New Jersey. Uh, so it seems I, it was a very sweet moment um, before the advent of cell phones because you know they'd all be fucking filming him now and like, oh yeah, anyone know this guy? And they'd be like, oh yeah, that guy lives in my building. He'd be doxed immediately. Totally, they'd probably swat him as well. I thought it was a very good scene. What I'm trying to say is yeah. I really enjoyed that scene. I also enjoyed the bank scene. I thought it was really good with one caveat. This, whatever they were doing on the back of Dr. Ock um, to, to hide what, where his arms connected to his body was not working. <laughs> oh, <laughs> they just no. sort of put a dark spot over it. And you could see like in part of his costume, like the, the jacket was sort of cut up. Right. But, like nothing was matching really as it should. And they just like, they just sort of put the arms over the jacket and then they just sort of put a silhouette over where the arms connected to sort of hide it. I think you wouldn't have caught it at the time, but it was on an HGTV. I was like, no movie. You can't just, (laughs) no. Um, But I thought it was a good scene. I liked, uh, you sort of see him like you're in the, the camera's in the vault for a second and he's fighting off the security guards and he just bats one away and you don't know where he went. And then like back in the background, you see him finally land on the Mm. other side of the bank. It's a really good scene. I was actually, I'm not usually into action scenes and usually I'm like looking at my watch, but I thought these were all like really well done. Good job. One of the most popular action movie franchises of all time. (laughs) Your action scenes are competent (laughs) um do you want to talk about j jonah jameson your boyfriend jk simmons i mean he's also what's to say that hasn't already been said he's yeah we in case you missed the last episode jk simmons is j jonah jameson is a fucking revelation it's amazing (laughs) he uh he's a vaudevillian amazing delivery and it's amazing uh, he does get my two favorite lines. Uh, one where he calls out the ludicrousness that this man's name is Octavius and he becomes Dr. Octopus. Uh, he says, a guy named Otto Octavius ending up with eight limbs. What are the odds? <laughs> and then at the end, when MJ runs out on her own wedding, of course, to remind you, it's to J. Jonah Jameson's son. son. Um, and he's been complaining about the cost of this wedding the entire movie uh, on the phone with his wife. And he, he's there standing with his wife and he says, call Deborah. And his wife says, the caterer? He's like, yeah, tell her not to open the caviar. (laughs) He's great. He's absolutely great. This is amazing. It's really good. All right, let's go to the verdict. (laughs) 
Do you like that that Buble uh, Spider Man theme at the end? Did you catch that? Oh, I didn't. It's, I caught it was the girl on the violin later in the credits. So you had to like I sit stick through around. Some, you had to sit through some butt rock, and then eventually it was like Spider Man, Spider Man. <laughs> that I was kinda, more Alec Baldwin it. doing Tony Bennett, but I'll allow it as a Buble you. impression. You're a crazy cat, you know that. Is this a toupee? Damon tried to look it up once, but he couldn't find anything definitive. DJ, what do you think of Spider-Man 2? Back to the Spider-Man. I'm going to say, so this is actually harder for me than I thought because this was kind of stupid. (laughs) I actually liked this less than the first one, which is true of when I originally came out. And then everybody, like the general consensus is this one is like miles better and i agree with my original assessment i'm not saying the first one doesn't have problems but this one is just like a little bit more disjointed it's flabbier as you mentioned it's it's like silly but not in the ways that i like fun fact um miles better was in whiplash with uh, jk simmons from this (laughs) movie right the schlocky horror thing did not work for me. The i did like some of the action sequences but they didn't they didn't carry it for me as much as i thought having said that Having said that. Coming back. <laughs> he seemed like he was running away, but I see yeah. he's coming back now. It delivered enough that I'm going to say your inner child is not an idiot. But it's closer than I would have liked. And it, this, uh, I don't agree that this is better than the first one. Uh, I think the uh, Dr. Octopus is cool as like a fighting villain, but I didn't really like his origin story. I didn't really like his... <laughs> motivation i thought i thought alfred molina was fine you know toby mcguire is like plays it okay and i like i like some of the development that we get from peter parker about like just just being a total mess like we talked about jk simmons is jay jonah jameson is fucking amazing i don't know if we can nominate him for a sequel for the same role for the Catherine o'hara memorial mvp award but uh well hold on hold on check the rules yeah we can it says here, uh, no one cares. We'll do what we want. <laughs> this is completely made up, it says. <laughs> I'm reading here. Uh, we made it up when we saw Catherine O'Hara and Beetlejuice. <laughs> and uh, we just sort of been winging it since then. So yeah, he can be the Catherine O'Hara Memorial MVP Award. That's it. That's all I got. I don't have any other big points. What did you think? I will agree with you. You're in a child's not an idiot. Um, I think I may have liked it more than you from the sound of things. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I'm just getting used to Sam Raimi's style and making these things. Yeah. But I enjoyed it. I kind of liked the stupidness of this. Although Tyler did not. He left uh, somewhere in act two. Um, (laughs) he, He left and made a dramatic turn and said, I think these movies are... Not good? <laughs> and went upstairs. Despite being a horror fan. You think Tyler, you like that? Tyler likes, um, he will never be on the show, but he likes me to uh, chime in what, what he thought of the movie. Um, so well, I'm, I'm putting that in here for him. Well, it's, the, it's actually the Lauren and Tyler shadow podcast. <laughs> we are put proxies, mere proxies. <laughs> it's like Afghanistan, the Afghanistan war over here. The first one from the 80s, not the current one. Um, we salute the brave soldiers of the Mujahideen. <laughs> Anyway, uh, that's not where I thought my verdict was going, um, with ties to Bin Laden. Yeah, I like this. One of the things I will say, as I said earlier, Doc Ock seems almost like ancillary to this story. This really seems to be about like yeah. the burdens of being a superhero, and I don't know if it necessarily succeeds in that, especially because it sets up a lot of like 
points at the beginning of the movie that it just sort of abandons about halfway through. But I think that MJ is, even though it feels like it's just being pulled along by the story, I think MJ and his relationship is somewhat more compelling in this. It's not yeah. just that kind of nice guy finish last vibe that we got from the first one. Right. It's yeah. a little bit more developed, and I suspect that Kirsten Dunst had a little bit say in like making MJ a much more well-rounded character. And I, I think that one of the things I enjoyed about this movie, and it reminds me of what sort of cools me on some of the later Marvel movies that have come out, is that that it's sort of invested in the actual relationships surrounding this uh, superpowered person. I think that the Marvel movies have gotten so many superheroes at this point that yeah. I think when I saw Infinity War, aside from Gwyneth Paltrow, everyone you encounter in Infinity War is superpowered. Which is funny because, like, you encounter Thanos, who's this guy who's going to kill half of the population of the Earth, but you never meet any of them because you're just hanging out with 600 different Avengers <laughs> throughout the course of a three-hour runtime. So I think superhero movies really are stronger when they really are comfortable dealing with those, like, normal relationships, and I think yeah. that's what made this one strong, for me at least. Um, and it's also kind of like what I like about these new Spider-Men with Tom Holland that have come out. They've sort of gone back to that formula. Right. Like, hey, he's a teenager. Why don't we deal with teenage stuff? Um, well, that's while the, that's, also having him fight Jake Gyllenhaal in Paris right. or whatever. Well, that's the danger of like the the stakes. The, you got to raise the stakes. and the, They're higher and higher. And they're, they're worldwide. And then they're galactic. And you're like, what do you do with that? You know what I mean? <laughs> right. like, I think that is a main yeah. problem with the more recent Marvel movies, with Spider-Man being an exception. And I would also say Black Panther being an exception. But yeah, yeah. it after a while, it's like a bunch of spaceships flying into a planet run by Glenn Close. And I'm like, I don't know anything that's going on here, although I appreciate the effort. Right. Yeah, I always feel like Marvel movies kind of fall apart in the third act because the stakes just keep, they're so big now that they're unrelatable in any way. So I do like these smaller movies where, while it's still shitty that MJ just keeps getting uh, Princess Peached all over the place, at least it's like I care about this person, and so there's at least that grounding to the events going on. Anyway, right. there's nothing here or there. It's me complaining about Thanos for five minutes. Yeah, I like this movie. I do think I liked it a little bit better than the first one, but I'm still having fun. Spider-Man 2. Give it a go, everyone who hasn't already seen this popular movie from 15 years ago. What do you think, everybody? Email us. Your inner child is an idiot at gmail.com. Uh, we read all the emails. Uh, we got a great email from our pal Vincent the other day. Thanks for writing us. We um, will respond, Vincent. Promise you that. <laughs> By the time you hear this, hopefully we will have responded. <laughs> Leave us a voicemail or text us at 615-576-0525. You can find us on all the social media, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And um, I'm still working on that TikTok. I've, I've just got to get this perfect... Uh, dance. I'm learning uh, a you dance. You got to twist your arms while also like moving the one arm up and the one arm down. So it's like, I'm almost crazy. I'm doing like this a, uh, this dance Felix. that they call the floss, and I think I think you guys are gonna like it. Um, yeah, my mom's getting fun. into that one now. It's pretty fun. <laughs> we want to thank our patrons, including the Zesty, Jacob Grimm, Particle Man, doing the things a particle can, Jonathan Day, Demons Australian Exit. Uh, too, too real, too good. You gotta tone it down. Uh, Heather Tuggle, Christine in Brooklyn, dramatically placed hot dog. Joshua Nicholson, Karen Curd, Larissa Maestro, Lindsay Nell, the supreme ruler of this podcast. <laughs> T. Smith, Jeremy Powlin, just cause Kevin from Cleveland, Captain John Luke Picard. 
Brandon Hardy. His Honor, the Mayor. My Neighbor Burrito. And Dan McIntyre. Thank you all very much. If you want to support the show like them, patreon.com slash your inner child's idiot. We really appreciate your support. Uh, Damon, I've, the microphone has been fused to my mouth. Oh, no. And now it's sentient, and it's, it's making me turn into a supervillain, and I, I robbed a bank. And, but it's Bitcoin. And the I don't know what did, they are. But. <laughs> and the microphone gave you what powers? I, I, my highs are higher, and my lows are lower. <laughs> and got, that helped you rob the bank? Yes. Uh, By being I, loud and obnoxious. I spoke very clearly and uh, um, with great frequency. <laughs> great frequency. That sounds... That's, that's you know, right. it's one of the lesser elements of, of a microphonic talking is the frequency at which you talk when the, use a microphone. Well, the, the pop filter... <laughs>